Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I am really excited today to be here with Rosie Rivera. Rosie is a wife, mother, TV personality, businesswoman, podcaster, author, influencer. She pretty much does all the things. So today we're going to get to talk about her amazing book called God is Your Defender, Learning to Stand After Life Has Knocked You Down. Rosie, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk with us here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we like to ask all of our guests before we get into your book and your message, um, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God and to pray? I have three. So my like daily where I usually go, where we usually meet is actually my closet. So I have a walk-in closet where my vanity is. And I just like put a blanket that has all of my family's faces, my kids, my husband, and I put up candles and the kids know if there's music going on in there and it's a little dark, but there's like a flicker, they, they can even go in. My kids know that they're welcome to go in there and we'll pray, um, in emergencies, like when I just need to get away, I'll go into my car. So I just go into my car and sometimes I don't even drive. I just put on music and that's usually the place where I'm like, just, I need to run away, but I can't because I'm a mom. And, and then when it's my crying out, when it's that plea of like, I cannot do this anymore, Jesus, it's in my shower. So I I have those three. I love all of those. And I know, I know as a mom that the car, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have stopped in the driveway and, and just stayed there just for however long, because it is, it's, it's an away place when you can be in the car alone and, you know, nobody hears. Yeah. And it's really good to do that, especially when we're coming home and Mm -hmm. just, I even like disconnect. It's like at least one minute to be like, those things stay out, whether it's work or external stuff. And I, Decom- like decompress and just relax so that when I walk through the door, it's with a smile. So yeah. even a minute in my car and my husband will catch me sometimes a little longer and be like, what were you doing? <laughs> I was just sitting here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but little- <laughs> almost like shedding, shedding what you've brought in from the outside world before you go into your sanctuary, you know, exactly. I think that's good. Well, I love that you have a literal prayer closet and I especially love that your kids know about it. I think there's something, I don't know, there's something very important about our kids knowing that we pray, even if they don't see it, see us on our knees, but to know that we're praying. And I especially love that they feel welcome to come in. That's very cool. That's really, yeah. Nice. That, that I give thanks to, to the quarantine time. Yeah. Um, you know, some good things did happen in that mm-hmm. time. And so my husband and I, well, the, our usual time is 9 a.m. And they, they're at school already, but because of quarantine, they were able to see. And at first they, well, what's going on in there? You know, I, I hear them whispering, is this a serious conversation? And so we, I started to leave the door a little bit open. So mm-hmm. once they hear like, oh, there's worship music going on. And I invited my son, he, I think he was three at the time and uh, he wanted to pray. So, you know, he, they just lay there with me or hear me out and they see me journaling. And I think it's so important for them to see us like read the 
word mm-hmm. and and it's a daily thing and so i asked my son son what would you like to pray about today and i love i'll always remember he's like i want to pray about the power rangers so I said, you know what let's go like that is what is important to you right now yes and um so he even named them specifically by by color and i was i just thought it was beautiful and and i love that now and now that quarantine is over if it happens to be a weekend or, you know, our, our schedule changed, they know they can go in there. And, and I thought that was super important for us to just share the presence of God with them in a different atmosphere, like different from worship night or when we sing them a song before they go to sleep. It, it's become very important. It, I, they really spend time with the Holy Spirit with us. That's great. I especially love that you didn't tell him, we don't pray for power Rangers because that's, what's important to him. And so for him to learn at the age of three, that anything that's important to him, that, that God knows, because God meets us where we are. I think that's, that's a really good lesson. That's a great example. Um, so what uh, this book was just incredible. I love this book. It is, it's totally packed full of biblical examples uh, that back up everything that you talk about in the book. Um, but the premise of it, I think is so important. Um, talking about God being our defender. Mm -hmm. So where you, you are not a stranger to hardship, to being hurt by people, to being angry because of some incredibly terrible things that have happened to you. Um, so could you just share where the idea for this book came from and why it's so personal to you? The, the initial idea about the book came in 2019. A lot of people had read my first book and, and were like, okay, we want more or how, you know, like the first book was like to connect, like, mm-hmm. this is who I am and tell God, like my testimony basically of what mm-hmm. God did through me. And then they were, they wanted more like, but how, how, like how to book. And to me, that was great because to me, the how to is like, well, the Bible and prayer and presence and, you know, surrendering. So I started thinking about what type of book I would write in about 2019. And I was like, okay, well, what's one question that I had while I was going through the hardship when I'm still going through hardship, what are the mm-hmm. questions that come up? And it's still now that I'm a be- believer, how are you going to defend me? God. Right. But before years ago, when I wasn't a believer um, and I didn't know God the way I know him now, my question was who will defend me? you know, I'm eight, nine years old, 10, 13 times flying times are changing. I've, I've been through the sexual abuse and so many things who is going to defend me. I can't ask my brothers to do it because they'll hurt him physically. And and I don't want my brothers to go to jail or my sister to go to jail. And I thought I had to be everyone's defender because I was threatened that into silence. If you speak about this, I will kill your sister. So I thought, you know, in my head, in my nine-year-old head, it was, I'm their defender then, but if I'm their defender, who defends me? And, and that's kind of what it was. And when I met the Lord, when he, he saved me at the age of 25, so much healing was going on. The process has been just a journey, just gorgeous, painful, freeing. It's been everything. Now I know he's my defender and I know it. And it's so good to know it. There's different questions now. How? when, you know, uh, how, how do I get out of the way to, because I've gotten in his way so many times. And those are kind of the questions that we go through in the book that have really helped me. And that I hope 
help the readers because I spent way too much time. I wasted so many years and so much energy looking for revenge and not focusing on my healing. And I would really love if we could shorten that time and and focus on our healing and say, I know God got this. I know it. He's good. He's just, he's a good dad. And I'm going to focus on healing. And and that the healing part really changed my family, my immediate family, my my relationship with my husband and my children. And, And I think that's where the true victory is. Oh, it is. And what I loved about your book is every time I would get to a point in the book where I would think, but, but, but what next? Like, you know, you talk about this idea of God being your defender. And then I started thinking about, well, but what if, you know, what if there is a time to defend yourself or how do we know that? And then you just went right in and and gave (laughs) examples. So I love that before we jump into that though, you touched on this. So in, I don't, I don't think it's in the book, but I think I heard about it in an interview that you did on the 700 club, where you talked about a time when you were 25, you had gone through sexual abuse as a child at the age of eight, you'd been attacked as a teenager, um, and assaulted. You had been in an abusive marriage and you got to the point of wanting to end it all. And you were hopeless. And you talk about this moment, like this pivotal moment when God met you, can you, and, and, and then you also talked about the role of your mother praying for you over the years. Can you talk about that? Can you share that, that turning point of when all of that changed for you? But I, my husband had sexually assault. My first husband had sexually assaulted me in a hotel room. And there was so much like verbal abuse throughout the whole day it had been months of just like verbal abuse, psychological abuse. And I had said, no, I didn't want to today. I was too broken. And, and he did it anyway. And then he throws me out of the hotel room with just a t-shirt on. And I was so mortified of like what people would say, you know, what will they think of me? And, and that's kind of sad also because I had no value anymore. It wasn't my value as a person. It's what will people think? So I start banging on the door again for him to let me in and he wouldn't let me in. And, and that's really a revelation to me because sometimes instead of being alone, you'd rather be with the person that hurts you, at least mm-hmm. me. I, 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 it was easier to be with someone that was hurting me rather than facing this world alone, but he didn't open up. And so I go down to the, the front desk and I asked for the key. We had paid for this room. So it was very logical to me, but I couldn't see myself. So I didn't see what he saw. And he saw a woman that had been crying and makeup everywhere and nappy hair and just a t-shirt on. And I said, Hey, you know, my husband is in room blank, blank. Can you please give me the key to get in? He's fallen asleep. And he, he was kicking me out and saying that he was going to call the police, but I didn't get, I didn't understand why I wasn't to me. I wasn't disturbing the peace. And he said that women like me weren't allowed there, that it was illegal. And basically what he was saying, it took a little time to register was prostitutes aren't allowed here. And I have never done that. I've done a lot of things. I've probably given it away, but I hadn't, I hadn't sold myself. And so I didn't know this person. I would probably, I've never seen him again, but I took the label that he gave me and I put it on. I just accepted the label, maybe because I had already thought of myself like that, or it, I, to this day, I don't know why, maybe in my brokenness. 
And I received it. And I just said, I just want to die. Like my dad said, I could be an astronaut and I wanted to be on the Supreme Court. I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I'm a mom and I'm an excellent student. And there was so many good things. But in the end, this is all that I am. And I felt like I had hit a rock bottom. And I said, I'm going to kill myself. So I had tried it at 16. I think I tried it again in my early 20s. And this is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, and whatever God does with me, I'm just going to take it. And so I took some pills and some alcohol and I started walking down the street yelling, just yelling like a crazy person. Maybe someone would fight me. Maybe someone would hurt me. Maybe just, and no one, not one person paid attention to me. Not one. It's, it's two in the morning. It's one or two in the morning. And I look crazy and not one person for good or for bad. And I started yelling up at God, like, what are you doing? Why are you like always ruining my plans? Like, this is a plan that I have, or I know that you're, you're in on this. And if you are, if, if you won't allow me to continue with my plans, well then do what you want with me. I just want to die. I I give you my life. It's yours. And now I understand what that meant in that moment. I was just saying like my physical life, I didn't, I didn't even have a concept of my spiritual life. I said, I'm just going to fall asleep on this sidewalk. Like it was like a curve. So I said, if someone runs me over and I die and I wake up in your presence, then do with me what you want. I just, I'm tired of hurting like this. I am so tired of living what feels like hell. And I fall asleep and a voice wakes me up. Um, and it was not audibly. It was, it was deep within me and it was firm, but kind. And I had never heard it, but I recognized it. And I knew in my spirit, oh, this is God. And he said, that's enough, go home. And then he repeated it like that. That's enough, go home. And I felt it like a father, like, like I, I yearn for you. I want you to come home, but that's, that's it of, of what you're doing to yourself. And I love God so much because I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to keep running from him? Am I going to Cause I had been running from God for years. Like I knew he was real and I knew he existed, but I didn't, I was afraid he'd reject me. So my thought was I'll reject him before he rejects me. So I was like, I don't want anything to do with God. And I would tell my mom for 11 years, my mom prayed for me. She would invite me to church every single day, every single Sunday. And I always had this excuse of like, but your people, but your church, but they're hypocrites, but they're not going to like me. And my mom would just try again. And I would arrive at home. I was 16, 17, 18, and I'd get home at four in the morning. Um, I had been drinking or doing crazy stuff and she would wait up for me and she would scold me or discipline me as a mother should. And then she'd pray for me. And I would just say, oh, whatever, here you go again. And so this time I walked into my room and I pretended I was asleep. And she, I think she had done enough praying and she said, uh, we're going into war, you know? And so she, she got, um, oil on her hands and she anointed my feet and my body. And she started declaring what she saw spiritually. Not what she saw at that moment, not some wasted drunk, you know, girl that was losing it. She started declaring what God hurt, what she heard from God about me and what she saw in the heavens about me. And she started saying, you are a woman of God. You are a great evangelist. You're a preacher. You're a worshiper. And thousands and thousands of hurt people will come to Christ through you. 
And I felt bad for her. I said, my poor mom, like she sees all these great things that are never going to happen. And she would say, you know, um, you're the, the enemy is not going to win. He's just not going to win. And that was when I was about 16. So fast forward to 25, I'm in the street. I'm screaming that I want to die. I have a two-year-old that I thought would be better without me. And I was giving, surrendering, I guess, in my weird way, my life to God. And I just said, it's yours. Do what you want with it. So when he asked, when he told me to go home, I had a question. And I had to be bold to say, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to stop running away from him. If he rejects me, he rejects me. I'm going to be just, I'm just going to be myself. And I, I asked a question, where is home? Where does a woman like me fit? Where can I be accepted and received and loved as I am in case I can't change? Because I want to change. I really do. I don't want to be addicted to porn or abuse alcohol or be sexually confused. I don't want to keep saying all these bad words, but I don't know if I can stop. So if I try, but fail, where is a place where they can still receive me and love me? Where is that home, Jesus? It can't be with my current husband. And I don't want to go live with my mom. I was thinking like a physical home. And he said, um, my home. And, and the Holy Spirit is so good, so good that when I asked a question, all the times I had said whatever to my mom or was trying to ignore the sermon at church or, you know, they all came flooding back in this beautiful order mm. of like songs and Bible verses and my mom's words. And, and it came back and I said, oh, yes, I can go there. And it became very natural. Like, like literally, like I could see like, Oh, like almost like, duh. And I went to church the next day with my mama and I'm glad that she was there. I drove her to church and she was able to see my surrender. And it still makes me emotional. This was 14, 15 years ago. And I just, I asked him, please don't ever let me forget how gorgeous this is. It, It was this feeling of I love you. I know who you are. Um, I know what you've done. I know what you've been through. And I love you. That love and that mercy have just, just transformed me. My thoughts, my mind, my, it's just been gorgeous. And I mean, the walk isn't always easy. And there have been thoughts of, oh, I don't know if I could go on or should I leave? And then I'm like, there's nowhere else I could go. Like I cannot imagine living without him. Um, And that, you know, it's going on 14, 15 years. Wow. And as a mom, just that story, I just, I know there are moms out there with children that they've been praying for, for years and years, and that has to give them hope. And as a mom, that gives me hope that no matter what happens along the way, those prayers are making a difference, even when the person receiving them, isn't receiving them, even when they're hardened, like it's, it's sowing a crop that's going to bear Bear. fruit. It will, it will, it will. I always think like the fruit of our womb is good. You know, I'm a mom now and, and just my mom was so persistent and consistent in her Mm -hmm. love that now I I still get the chills. I still 
feel the power of her faith and 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 her declaring those things even when I didn't believe them and no one else did and and so sometimes I think she how many laps she must have done around Jericho it was more Mm. than seven just going around going around I'm not fighting you with words I'm not going to fight you with my hands I'm just going to worship God and I'm going to pray and I'm going to declare his love to you and and make a joyful noise and I just saw her persistence in loving Christ and 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 she lived it it wasn't just telling me Jesus is good. I, I saw Jesus through how, you know, she was going through divorce and would still go worship. She was going through cancer and would still go worship. And I said, there is something there then. She calls him her best friend when everything looks horrible, even in her life. So it was, it was her living it and, and then also her consistent like love and love. And now I, I can go back and say love was in my face the whole time. I couldn't see it maybe because I didn't love myself but my mama was loving me and and I just I honor her so much and I thank her so so much so to this day whenever there's a decision to make it's hey mom can you pray with me can you pray for me um and and I know that that a mother's prayers are so so powerful so now I know I have that for my children wow that's wonderful and not only did she pray for you she saw who you really were underneath what was happening and what had happened to you. And that's powerful is being in that place where you can ask God to show you a picture of what he has, give you words, prophetic words to speak over these people that we love so much and that are going through so much. And, uh, but yeah, oh, that's so powerful. Yeah, To to be able to be a visionary for your children. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't know who we are, whether we're in transition or going through something difficult and, and, and we need those words, someone to let us know what they see. And I'm so blessed that I had my mom and my sister to be able to, to be visionaries when I couldn't see past my pain, when the room was so dark and just that, Hey, but I think you'd be great on TV, but you're so good at speaking, but Hey, you know, when you pray, there's something powerful there. And, and, and I think if we did that more for each other in society, but especially for our children, we don't have to tell them like, you have to be a lawyer. It's more of like, Hey, you're pretty good at, you know, these arguments, you, you, you hit a good point, you know, maybe look into that. And, and they could say, Oh, Hey, you know, sometimes we don't know what we're good at if we don't have someone that tells us. So just being that visionary for our children, will be able to guide them towards Christ, of course, but to like, Hey, this is what I'm good at. You know, this is what I'm unique at. And so it's very, very powerful. It's a gift God has given us and, and to be able to receive it and see it come to light. Like, just like, I can't believe my mom said this 15 years ago about me and it's happening must be rewarding for her, but it's also so powerful to be the person and say, Hey, Jesus, like, imagine if my mom could do that, what he sees and what he, oh, it's, it just makes life exciting. Well, when you, when you talk about this idea of making God your defender, um, I mentioned earlier that the, the question that kind of came to mind at the beginning, as I started reading, um, a couple of the early chapters was, okay, there, yes, absolutely. I, I take the, you know, the, the mantle of defender into my own hands way too often. Um, but how do we know when there is a time? Cause I'm one of the people that 
when given the opportunity for conflict or not conflict, I kind of hide. And so you, you kind of give us these first responder styles, um, the way that we respond to being hurt and talk about how knowing your style can help to equip you to acknowledge God as your defender in the long run. So could you kind of talk about some of these different styles and, and what pitfalls and strengths come with each of them? I love that you did not just, this is your, your, this is the pitfall that you might have, but there are also strengths that come with each of, of the different styles of um, responding. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought of these because even with our spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son give us, it, you know, it says if you if you give, give abundantly, give graciously, give with love, right? If you're a teacher, then then teach well. And and so I thought of that of like, how do I respond when when an emergency comes? What what's my first go-to? And usually I, I'm a teacher, right? So it is a gift that God gave me that I'm a teacher. But if I don't take care of that teaching gift well, I can become that teacher of like, I'm going to teach you a lesson, right? Right. And I do that a lot with my husband. Um, so that one, you know, the, the iron sharpens iron, it's the closest one. But so that's my first response. And I think when we identify those, whether it's um, fleeing or being a teacher, or um, there's so many different ones, and it depends on our personality. And that's kind of what we have to see is like, for instance, being a teacher is an amazing gift. God gave us that gift to edify the church, to edify our family. Um, but we will use that if we use it incorrectly, can make our husbands feel less or it's no longer even a conversation. It can actually push people away when we use it. And not only from us, but from God, you know, if, if we're hitting people on the head with the Bible, it's very different. They're not feeling love. They're feeling judgment. And um, so I, I will sometimes say, instead of me teaching him, I'm going to be quiet and pray about it and have God reveal to him. Because when the Holy Spirit tells him, it's, it's different. Revelation and conviction is so much better than me giving him his to-do list and making him feel less and demeaning him along the way. And so that's, that's with people close to us. But say someone, I can be a defender too. I mean, I, I was defending what I thought people at nine years old. So it kind of became my personality. I, I, and it's right. We, we do love, especially mama bears. We love to defend our kids, right? But if our kids are depending on us so much to be the defender, when will they learn to allow God to be their, their defender? When will they go through the process of God's with me? God's going to handle it. When are they going to learn when to speak up and when not to speak up? If I allow them to depend too much on me, what happens when I'm not there, whether it's at school or, or later in their life, they're, they're not going to know what to say and kind of maybe even become passive. So there are times that I do have to back off the mama, mama bear and, and allow them to kind of do it. And I'm right there. I'll be, I'll be right here. I'm five steps behind in case anything happens. I'll, I'll be right here. And so that they know that they have something to fall back on in case they need me, but that they can also learn to use their voice also. So I learned that from King David, King David in the Bible, when he first became king, I mean, he had so many battles that he won, 
but he wouldn't hurt the anointed one. He wouldn't hurt Saul. So I said, there's a difference there. You can go ahead and kill a lion and a bear to defend your sheep, but to defend yourself, he, he wouldn't hurt God's anointed one. Even if Saul was coming after him, that confused me a little bit. And then when he finally becomes king, there's an injustice going on and they're blaming it on David. And David now had an authority and a responsibility greater than himself. That was, this isn't about my image or my ego, or if I'm a good guy or a bad guy, this is about the kingdom. And there can't be this confusion in the kingdom. So he cleared it up and he said, no, I did not kill these men. I'll show you who killed them and we'll do justice. And I said, okay, Lord, then wait. Then there is a time and a way for me to speak up. I don't have to go to the extremes of being that, that fighter, that teacher all the time, but I don't have to become passive either. There's an mm. active, and there's something active going on as I wait. And, and so I still to this day find the balance. It depends on each situation, but more it's my purpose for speaking up, my purpose for defending either my children or myself. What's the reason? Does it have to do with my ego? Is it really my bruised ego that I'm defending? Is it my image or is it the kingdom? Because that's, I think, when it's, when it's something greater than me, when it's something greater than my situation, when it's something that impacts many, when it's something that will glorify God, then I'm like, okay, then it's worth to speak up. If it's about me and my ego and things like that, I, to me, it's like, God, I'm going to wait because I don't want my ego to get in the way of my purpose. So that's kind of how I discern, you know, one, do I have peace? Is there love in this situation? Is there love? Because speaking the truth will set people free, but I want to speak the truth with love. So can I speak to this person, whether I'm a teacher or a defender, whether I'm a mama bear, can I do it with love? And what will show more love? biting my tongue or how I'm going to tell them the truth. If I'm still angry, then that lets me know it's not okay to stop. Not yet. Because what if you can't give that truth with love? And so I have those, those rules for me. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it. Life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process but I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here 
more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Because I know me. If there is a passive person or a person that doesn't like confrontation, it's a little bit different. It's like, are you hiding because you're afraid you'll get hurt? Are you hiding because you don't want to hurt someone else? But what if speaking up can save many? What if speaking up can save your brother? Like the word says, like confront him with love to save him. And, and that is really a challenge for some because what he hurt me, he lied to me. Now I'm going to go save him. And that's when, you know, that's the Holy spirit because you're stepping out of yourself. And what's beautiful about God is that he's, he's already there. He already has, he'll even give us the words. If you're afraid to speak up because you don't like confrontation, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. And I've been on, on kind of both extremes. With strangers, I'm a defender. With family, I can become very passive and I don't want to ruffle any feathers and I don't want to offend anyone. And, and God will, will tell me in each situation, it's, it's time to speak up. But usually it takes prayer and slowing the situation down and really going on God's pace and God's way. I love how you kind of frame that because it's not something where someone's going to be able to go in and read your book and know, well, this is the one thing I do all the time to know the right thing to do. It's a very personal thing, but you give a lot, just like you just, you know, kind of talked Mm -hmm. about, you give a lot of guidelines of what is your motive? Why are you wanting to defend or why are you wanting not to defend? What are you know, and, and to kind of bring it into kingdom focus. But what I really got from the, the parts of your book that talked about this was the importance of having that relationship with God, attuning your ear to his voice and practicing talking and hearing from him, you know, talking to him and hearing from him because it's a growing process. We're not always going to hear him, right? We're not always going to do the right thing. We're not always going to say the right thing, but to have grace with yourself and to have it be this growing process is, is kind of what I got from that. And I, I really like the way that you did that. Yeah. And I'm, you know, we're still learning now, it's, yeah. you know, still to this day, there can be situations where I go back and I'm like, okay, how do I handle this one? This one's a little bit different than before the situation's different. I'm different. You know, he stays the same. Thank God he's the same, but But my feelings can be different. If it's the first time someone hurts me or the 30th, the feelings can be different. And you're like, I just can't anymore. Now I'm really going to speak up. Okay. And it's the same questions. Okay. What's your motive? You know, or, or who, who is, who is involved now, or does it really matter? Or it's just these questions that the Holy spirit will give me. And I'm like, and it'll kind of bring me back to focus. Okay. I can hold on a little longer, or I will hold on, or I will forgive the 30th time because that's what I'm being called to do. We're working on mercy. We're working on grace more than, you know, my image or things like that. So each time, but it's really getting to know yourself and, and your style or your reasoning. And that, that for me happens in his presence. That's when I really get to know myself, when I'm really asking myself the hard questions in his presence. And he's so good to reveal to me who I am. Oh, okay. That's why it's bothering me so much that it's probably something within me that is going on and it's reflecting on someone else or 
So it, it's, it's a process that I think is gorgeous. Getting to know God as my defender has been very different than getting to know him as my father or my husband or my healer. It's, it's been very, very different. Getting to know him as my defender versus my provider. It's all gorgeous and, and it's never boring and it's always an adventure. Um, and each time I fall in love with him more and more. And sometimes I forget, you know, sometimes I forget, oh, you know, will he defend me? How will he defend me? How long is it going to take? And how, how did- is it going to take? That's the, that's the kicker, right? Is yeah. Maybe you can get yourself to the point where you believe that he will defend you, but then it's like, how long Lord, how long? And I've learned that time is my friend. Time was given as a blessing to us. I know we see it as in time's running out and it takes forever. No, God showed me the 24 hours that I have given you the day is for your blessing. I cut it because if days were 37 hours long, like you want them, it, you know, it, it would be too long. And so the, the, I know that by the fact that it says his mercies are new every morning. I'm like, okay, I needed that. I needed a restart of your mercy. Cause in 24 hours I can, I can make so many mistakes. And I also learned in, especially with God, when God was defending me, I spoke up at 16 about the abuse and I thought, okay, everything's going to happen. This guy's going to jail today. We did. We made the police report. And then he became a fugitive of the law for another nine years. And that, I don't know if the first nine years of silence were harder or the nine years after I had spoken up and he was just gone and everyone knew. And I thought, is God even going to do anything? Is this it? And so I was 16 when I spoke up and I thought I was ready to give a testimony. I thought I was ready to go to court but I wasn't, I I still needed some healing. I still needed some, some boldness, some, some character building identity healing. And so in those nine years where I thought God was doing nothing, he was doing everything in me, in me. So at 25, when I surrendered to the Lord, I surrendered to him in November in April of the next year. Okay, I had been looking for this man, my, my own way, my revenge, my thoughts for 18 years of since I was eight, I started thinking of like, how can I kill him? And how can I hurt him and my way? And, and when I surrendered him to God, I just started reading the word. And I said, God, I'm going to give him to you. I am so tired of thinking him every day about him. I am tired of my plans. I'm exhausted from the hate I'm bitter. I'm a 25-year-old bitter woman. I'm tired of, of just hating things and people. And, and I, I was just tired. And I, and I gave him up to God. I said, whatever you do to him, I just want to heal. So he started the healing process. And he asked me through the word to forgive him, right? So I, at first it was, what? Like, what do you mean? He, he, he did so much damage. I don't feel like forgiving him. And I didn't. I woke up wanting to honor God. I didn't wake up wanting to forgive the abuser. I woke up wanting to obey Jesus. I, I woke up thinking, I never want to say no to you because you died on the cross for me. And, and one of them was forgiving. So it was a process of forgiving. It's not for me. It wasn't one time. It was months of, I want to think about forgiving him. I want to, I want to want to forgive him. I want to try to forgive him. And then just slowly saying the words, well, God, do your will in his life or God even bless him. Um, and then God, I forgive him. And so that through that process um, was from November to April. When I finally see him in April, 
he's in handcuffs in my presence. And I could see him, but he couldn't see me. I was behind like a, a dark glass and I didn't hate him anymore. I didn't need to give him the speech of you didn't break me and look at me and I'm strong. I didn't want to slap him. I didn't want him dead. The Holy Spirit gave me compassion for him that I know wasn't me. It's, it was, I'm free now and he's going to jail. Now he's going to be imprisoned. Now he has a daughter and a wife and oh Lord, help them. And I thought, whoa, the Holy Spirit changed me in that time. And it was so gorgeous to see that. And, and that can come up still. If it's with my husband or my family members or a member of the church, I still have to get into that prayer mode so that he transforms me. So it's like, okay, let it go, heal, don't hate, don't, you know. And, and sometimes it's not three months depending on the offense, depending on the the situation, it can be a few hours. It can be a few days. Um, But I allow myself to go through the process. And then I know whether I should speak up or not speak up. And that's usually for a greater purpose because the healing has, Jesus can do that. We can do that in the prayer closet, but sometimes he wants us to speak up because it'll help many because it'll, it'll glorify his name. And so this story has glorified his name and, And that's why we've started speaking up about it. But it was just awesome to see what he could do. And and he'll repeat it over and over, at least in my life, at at different levels of how to forgive and how to let it go and how not to seek revenge. And and just getting to know what God can do through me. And it's just, it's amazing. Because I would have never imagined me being able to see him with compassion. That just, that blows my mind, just hearing that out of your mouth when I'm, you know, and, and the fact that you have this gift of hindsight to be able to see that nine years, I mean, I can't even imagine when you're 16, waiting nine more years to see this man in handcuffs. And then, and then at that moment, being able to say, if I had seen him in handcuffs at 16, I wouldn't have this peace. I, God would not be my defender. I would be giving the speech. I would be probably, you know, who knows, who knows, but it, it, God knew that you needed that time. And that just, I, how could that not give other people hope to, to say, if you're in the middle of it, if you're in the muck and the mire of how long, God, how long are you going to make me wait but to just hear this story and think, even if it's nine years, even if it's three decades, however long it takes, God is working. He's not just hands off during that time. He is still at work. He's orchestrating. He's changing you. He's preparing you. He's doing things behind the scenes that we could never imagine. And that and is a reason and, mm-hmm. and great reason that we'll see later. You know, yeah. I, I have to grab on to Jesus, his words of you don't understand what I'm doing now, but one day you will. Yeah. And I think, oh, in eternity. No, it can be now. It's just his timing. And I, so I think timing is my best friend. Hmm. God will use time to bless me somehow. So that was at 16 at 25 when he was in handcuffs. And I was at a healed place. It wasn't angry. I was able to give a testimony in a court of law in front of a judge and his whole family and my whole family and a jury of 12 
I wouldn't have been able to do that at 16. I would have been Mm -hmm. mortified. I would have shook. Mm -hmm. I would have been broken. But at 25, after healing, after having a relationship with Christ, I walked into that courtroom. I had just read Psalm 27. The Lord gave it to me outside. And I'll never forget it. Just I felt all alone waiting because you, you can't be in the same courtroom where you're about to testify and someone else is testifying. So I was all alone, but I wasn't the Holy spirit guided me to Psalm 27 and I read it and, and I knew he was with me and I walked in and I felt like I was sitting on his lap. I felt, I mean, I just, I felt like God is right here. And I was able to give a clear healed testimony And so they put him behind bars for 31 years without the possibility of parole. And God revealed to me in those nine years, I was working. I know you couldn't see me. I know you thought I forgot. I know you thought I was withholding something good from you, but I wasn't. I was preparing you to be able to do something. I was preparing you to be able to receive the blessing. Because sometimes, especially when it comes to God's justice, when it comes to God being our defender, there are even times where we're not ready because if God would defend us, we would throw it in their face. We would be rude. We would say, ha ha. And God's like, I don't want that either because I love them too. I know you're mad at them, but I'm still a good father. And I want to give this person my grace and mercy. So sometimes God is preparing you in the waiting because he's about to save a soul. He is about to transform Saul into Paul. And, and be able to give grace and mercy. And you may not be ready because you're still like, I want them to suffer. God's like, I want them to be saved. And he's taught me that. And, and so those nine years, although they felt like it was just limbo, like confusion, God was doing something to save his son. Now he's in jail, but he's a believer again, but he reconciled with the Lord. He runs a Bible study. That doesn't make me mad. That makes me happy. I don't see hypocrisy. I see restoration. I see salvation. The enemy couldn't take me out and he couldn't even take the abuser out. Both of us are saved. And that is a great victory. We don't have to be friends. I wouldn't trust him with my children, but I'm happy he's saved. And, And that's where I think the enemy didn't win. And if it took those nine years in hindsight, it's like, God, you're so good. It's so worth it. So now I'm in a a place right now in my life where I'm like, God, can you just hurry up? Just God, I don't, I don't want to be in this situation one more day. He'll remind me I'm preparing you for the blessing. I'm preparing everyone for the blessing that I'm about to do. So it's some, that's why I'm saying sometimes it's more than just you. It's, it's always more it's kingdom and it looks so gorgeous. So just hang on a little longer, trust God, that he really knows what he's doing and it it could surprise you. Rosie, that is so powerful. That is, that, that is a powerful word. Um, yeah, that, that is a word of hope and the fact that this abuser is a believer and that you as, you know, a, a person that was hurt deeply can rejoice in that fact is that has to be God in you. It it really is incredible. Incredible. Well, what would you say to the woman who's listening to this? And she's like, this is great. I want God to be my defender. I know it's the right thing to do, but she's in either an ongoing relationship or a situation that's just constantly testing that resolve to make God her defender. And she just feels like a failure at it, that she just tries and fails and tries and fails. Like, 
you know, what, what encouragement would you give her in what she could do differently or how she can persevere? And what, is there a way to kind of have breakthrough in this area? If you're just not at that place where you can rejoice in the salvation of, of your um, abuser or the person that, that has wronged you, do you have any, any words of wisdom for that lady? I understand you even today. I mean, I'm, I'm going through that right now in my life. I am in a situation right now where I am hurting or I'm confused, where I'm scared. And I think, Rosie, don't mess this up. Don't, don't mess this up, Rosie. Sometimes I feel like I ruin everything. And I've even thought, well, God was ready to be my defender, but I probably ruined it. And I want you to know you can't, you can't possibly ruin it because like the hemorrhaging woman, when she was taught by society that she ruined everything, that she made it unclean. But then Jesus had an encounter with her. She had an encounter with Jesus and he taught her, you can't ruin it. You are my daughter and your faith has made you whole and go in peace. So I've learned in that time through that sermon that I can reach out to touch Jesus and I won't ruin it. I, I, I won't ruin it. If I trip and fall, I, I can get back up again and have an encounter with him again. So you can't ruin God's plan. He's too big. He's too great. He's, he's all knowing and wise and he formed you. So you can't, you can't even ruin it. And when you speak up you the way she did, because Jesus asked her, who touched me? You can speak up, whether it's to your counselor, to your journal, straight to the Holy Spirit. And that will, will give you your identity again. Because sometimes I think we forget in the situation. We can be Christians for 15 years and forget I'm a daughter of God. And forget I'm victorious by the one who loved me. And, and if you forget, just speak to him again about the situation. He's not tired of hearing about it. It can be the hundredth time that you've told Jesus about this situation and about the betrayal, about the pain, about the fear. He won't get tired of hearing it from you. Um, maybe there's different ways. Maybe it can be your counselor or your journal or singing it out or jogging it out, but just get it out of you. Because as when we get those mm, feelings out of us, we can be filled again with his hope and his peace and his joy, and his love. And if that means it's daily, then you and I together, let's do it daily. Let's connect with him daily in this situation and just know we can trust him. We really, really can trust him. And, and if you're having a faith, you're having a, a like a mm, uh, faith mishap, or my faith is kind of like faltering, you can even ask him, help my unbelief. Jesus, I, I know you've come through. I go to the word and I'm like, you came through for Jericho. You came through for the Red Sea. You've come through for me. But, but what if this time you don't? I'll ask him, Jesus, can you please help me with my unbelief? And even then, but he's not going to fail. He's never failed before. And he's not going to begin with you. And, and we will look back. You will look back upon this. And that's why journaling is great. Because then you can read July 1st of this year. I was so scared. And look, it is September and we are in victory and we are standing. And, and you can say, hey, this journey, that's how I see. I remind myself. So what ways can you remind yourself of the victories he's given you um, and, and to help you for the future? But you are loved. 
you are his daughter, your faith in him has made you whole and you can go in peace. That no matter what happens tomorrow, you're still going to be his daughter. He's still your defender and you will have peace. Amen. Amen to that. Well, Rosie, thank you. We are out of time. So I want you to talk about um, where our listeners can find your, your book and where to connect with you online and on social media. You can find my book um, on any platform. Thank God it's at Barnes and Noble, which really, really made my thing, my kids think I was cool. Uh-huh. Made, that was cool. Um, you, but you can go to Amazon or if it makes it easier, just go godisyourdefender.com and it'll give you like all the list of where, where the books are. Um, you can find me, uh, Rosie Rivera on Instagram or YouTube, Facebook. I'm on all the platforms. I, I kind of connect more on Instagram and Facebook though. So you can go there, just Rosie Rivera. And I will try and answer DMs. If anything, I read it and I pray if that's sometimes all that I can do, but I love to connect but with the church, with my friends, with my sisters that, you know, you, so that we can together become a stronger community um, and, and edify each other. I need you also, because sometimes I forget. And, and I have great people in my life that remind me that God's my defender. All right. Well, how can we pray for you? I'm going to close this up in prayer today, but how can we pray for you today, Rosie? I know that there's a shift in my life, a 360 degree shift. It's going to change. And it has a lot to do with my career and my ministry. And I'm excited, but I'm a little bit scared. New Moo is a little bit scary sometimes. So um, if we can just pray for God to continue to guide my husband and I mm-hmm. on the direction of where he wants to take us. All right, we will do that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I cannot emphasize enough listeners. If you have not read this book, you need to. This is a powerful book. We just touched the tip of the iceberg in this conversation. And there's it's so rich with scripture and life experience. And, you know, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you've suffered abuse, if you've suffered hurt from people in your life, this is for you. You need to read this book. So <laughs> go out and get it. All right. Well, thank you, Rosie. And um, God bless you. Great to be with you. God bless you. Thank you. Father, we just come before you today. Thankful. So thankful for the opportunity to talk about and, and just dig into how we can make you our defender, not make you, you're already our defender, how we can, uh, how we can understand you and surrender to you as our defender. Thank you so much for Rosie. Thank you for her courage in sharing the painful parts of her story to bring others hope. Thank you, God, that you have been able to give her the gift of hindsight, that she's able to look back and see how the waiting had purpose. And I just pray for anyone listening who is feeling hopeless, who's feeling at the end of themselves, who's feeling forgotten or abandoned, that they would hear this and know that you are with them. God, we just praise you as uh, the God who sees. You see us, you see our struggles, you see our unspoken prayers, you see our hurts and our woundedness and our brokenness, and you mend it, God. You are also our healer, and we acknowledge you as that and praise you as that. God, we lift up Rosie and this book and her ministry. We pray that it would go out, and just as her mother prophesied over her years ago, that thousands, maybe even tens or hundreds of thousands or millions 
would be impacted by her writing and that healing would happen, that salvations would happen, that hope would happen, that lives would literally be saved by those who are hopeless and get this book in their hands and find hope and uh, redemption and, uh, and just uh, find you in, in the words of this book. We lift up Rosie and her husband and just these shifts that will be happening that you've kind of given her a hint that are going to be happening with her ministry and her work and her life. And we just pray that you would go before them, that you would give them just ears and hearts that are fine-tuned to your leading, that you would silence all of the other voices that might be leading in different directions or, um, just giving, giving information that might go against what you have for them, God, give them a straight path, open the doors, make the valleys uh, raised up and the mountains low. So they just have this straight path to follow and they know that you are with them. We just pray that your word would go out through Rosie and through her ministry, that it would not return empty, God, that you would rain down blessings on her marriage, on her ministry, on her work, on her family, her children, and, um, God, we just give you the glory for everything that you're doing in her and through her. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.